everyone. Thanks for tuning into the Message Podcast at French Church. My name is Alessandra. I'm one of the team members here, and we're so glad that you're joining us. It's been really encouraging to hear stories from people all over the country and the world who are listening in. We really hope that our messages are resonating with you. We also wanted to say thank you to those who are contributing to Friends Church. All of the things we're able to do, it's because of people who donate regularly. Even small, consistent gifts help a lot. If you haven't had the chance yet to give, I would encourage you to maybe think about doing that, especially if it's been beneficial in your own journey. To do that, it's really easy. Just go to our website, friendschurch.ca, and click on the Donate tab, or download our Friends Church app and click on the Give tab. Thank you so much for tuning in. Enjoy this week's message. Good morning, everyone. Uh, happy long May long. Uh, I'm, I'm wondering if there would be anyone out there that's watching from your campground. Hopefully you're not under snow. <laughs> I've seen a share of pictures online of people that are gutting it out. You May long campers, you guys are a hearty bunch, aren't you? Look, uh, I want to tell you a little story. I am um, thinking of an old work buddy of mine. I had worked with him for a number of years. This was, oh gosh, a long time ago. He, uh, he had been in the company that I joined uh, for a long time. Uh, he always said he was a lifer. Loved working there, loved the people that he worked with, the clients, some of the staff. I mean, he was, it was just kind of became his life. I joined him years later, we worked together for a while, and then some stuff happened in the company, and he was laid off. His job was terminated. It caught us all by surprise, but none more than him. I mean, it blindsided him. And uh, I remember at the time just when the news broke and the staff were all kind of reeling a bit from it, you know, it was awkward. Remember him cleaning out his office and not really too sure what to say. It was just, it was difficult. Uh, we said our goodbyes. I didn't realize at the time that it would be years before I would see him again. In fact, it was about 12 years before we bumped into each other again at a funeral, funeral of a mutual friend. I remember walking into the church and seeing him and almost double-taking, I almost didn't recognize him. Obviously, we all had, were 12 years older, but he looked especially old. Like, a, I, I had to double-take. I was just so happy to see him after... Um, I grabbed onto him after the sermon was done, and I said, I'd love to reconnect with you. And he, and he was a little bit guarded, but he said, yeah, hey, that would be great. The four of us, my wife and I, and him and his wife, we all got together. I, I didn't know what all we would talk about, but I it didn't care. I just, I wanted to see him, and I had many good memories, time spent with him, but it became really obvious very quickly that the event that happened terminated him from that workplace 12 years earlier was still fresh in his mind. 
he brought up names, first names of people that I had, I couldn't even remember. As he talked about it, his words dripped with resentment and bitterness. It was clear to me very early in the night that we spent together that he had not recovered from that event. He was still emotionally wounded from being let go from that company. You know, um, this story of my friends, even the songs, thanks you guys for singing that. It's more set song. It's, uh, they're, sadly, they're a common story. By that I mean people who get hurt and stay hurt. You know, I'm thinking about the couple who one night someone makes a comment to the other and, and, and it aggravates. And then all of a sudden the conversation turns into an, a bit of an argument. Before long, one of them is talking about the other person's family and then the other person is now talking to, to the other one about her former boyfriend or a former relationship, her checkered relational past. I mean, they're just going into areas that are just offside. And, uh, you know, it's cold. It probably stays cold for a while. Maybe there's even days that go by before they actually even talk to each other. But then, you know... Life kind of goes on. Things kind of get smoothed out. But there's no mistake that one, maybe both, are still stinging. Something inside that got twinged in that fight. Something didn't let go. I think about the guy who fell head over heels for this girl and things started off great. And he has, I mean, it just, it's ramping up. He is getting so excited for the first time. He's thinking about future plans. And then things start to fall apart. And he begins to realize that actually perhaps she's not as interested in him as a good friend of his. And something happens inside of him it's just like a dagger in the heart. And you know, ever since then, his reactions towards women have been different. He says, it's just guarded. I think about the girl who was always coming to the rescue of her friends. Really helpful. Someone would be in a tough place. She would hear about it. She would stop what she was doing. She would just be all hands on deck. What can I do? What, how can I help? And then she goes through a dark time. And it's like, she says it felt like her friends ghosted her. Their stuff was too important. These were people she had been with. She had cried with, she had listened to. They were nowhere to be found. She said she came through that dark time and something happened inside of her toward them. 
They'd reach out, they'd send her an email, she wouldn't return her call. They'd text, she would put them on ignore. She just started pulling away. You know, my bet is that everyone listening to this today has been hurt by someone. Whether it's in big ways or small ways, Someone's been, someone misunderstood something you did. Someone judged you without hearing the full story. Maybe you made a stupid mistake, but someone latched onto that mistake and decided they, want to ma- they wanted to make a fool out of you in front of everyone. Perhaps someone took advantage of your kindness. Maybe... Maybe you were excluded. You were left out by a circle of friends that you just loved. I don't know. Maybe it was way worse. Maybe you were abused in some way. We've all been hurt. Some in little, some in very big ways. But tragically, there are many whose wounds have never healed. And it stunts their growth. This is what I want to talk about today. You know, when it comes to these kinds of mental and and emotional wounds, what makes them difficult is that when they happen, you don't even see on the surface necessarily what's been done. Someone can say something or do something to you that can cut you so deep, that can bruise you. But on the surface, it's like it's invisible. Only you know how much it stings. So you wince through the pain. You kind of grit your teeth in the moment. You pretend it didn't hurt that bad. But it did. When that person leaves the room, or when you're alone, you sit there and you, you, just, you, you don't know where the hurt is, but it kills, it stings. What do you do with these wounds that can't be seen? Chloe had always felt like a less important, kind of less successful, unwanted sibling. At least in her dad's eyes. Her brother, it was like he could do no wrong in his eyes. They always were doing stuff together, her brother and her dad. She always felt like the third wheel. He would get the special treatment. She said she didn't really start noticing it until like maybe eight or nine years old. She said, but after that, every time she would see what she thought was this special treatment, this favoritism, this special look in her dad's eyes toward her brother, she said it just felt like razor blades on the heart. It just hurt her so badly, but she never said anything about it. She didn't want to be a baby. She didn't want to complain. She didn't want to cry because she, she thought that would just make things worse. So instead, she just shoved that hurt down. Buried it away. This is what they call suppression. This was Chloe's default response to hurt that she experienced in her life. She just, she just put it away. She just took it and, and just shoved it down somewhere inside of her. 
It's one of very, two very common reactions to hurt. We'll, we'll turn to suppression, thinking, hoping that it will make us feel better, that perhaps just by shoving it way down and not thinking about it, not looking at it, pretending that it didn't sting, somehow it'll just dissipate, it'll just go away. But it doesn't work that way. We kind of picture some of these hurts like they get, they're getting thrown into this internal trash compactor that just squeezes, pushes, and then at some point over time, it'll just dump it. But it doesn't work that way. When in actuality, it's like shoving them into a backpack that never empties. And then life comes along, right? New opportunities, new people come into our life, business opportunities. Even an opportunity with that person who hurt us. They're going, come, come. And we're going, um, uh, I don't know. I don't know if I can do that. And they're going, what do you mean? Come on, let's go. Uh, no. I don't, I don't think I can go there. I can't jump with you. I can't, I can't climb that with you. They don't even realize necessarily what it is, but they got this load somewhere inside. That night, as I listened to my friend recount the events that had transpired so clearly 12 years ago, 12 years prior, it became very apparent to me just how heavy his pack had become. He was saying no to so much in his life. He had isolated himself, living this very lonely, crusty life. He, He just sounded so different just a shell of who he once was. It's like those, line, those lines in that song that Alessandra and Adam just sang. Who's it hurting now? Who's the one that's stuck? Who's it torturing now? This ancient knot, antique knot in her stomach. Yeah, that's the weight of that pack. Science is discovering just how toxic the effects of these unresolved hurts they have on our body. The risk factors that they create for heart disease and high blood pressure. In fact, a person who's holding on to a grudge, holding on to the anger and resentment of a past hurt is, in, is at increased risk. Anxiety, depression, insomnia, you're more likely to suffer from ulcers, migraines, backaches, even cancer. And that's not even going into the social isolation and this social cause and effect of these grudges, this, this resentment, that we can't, this, these unresolved hurts that we hold on to. the distancing, the shutting down, the loneliness, these are all byproducts of unresolved hurt. And let me tell you, the psychology profession has made a mint. Helping people deal with and let go of that stuff 
Let me just come right out and say suppression is rarely the answer. But another very common response to hurt is to look for payback, to look for revenge, to want to make that person pay the way that we were hurt, to get even. You know, over the last couple of weeks, we've been looking at the journey of a guy named Jacob in the Bible. He starts out as a sleazy trickster. Slowly, we see something inside him shifting and changing. There's a growing. Jacob is becoming something, someone, someone he even, even he is proud of. As his life kind of takes off, he's, his family is growing. He's got all these kids, his flocks, his herds. He's become very successful. It's like his life is, is getting traction. Things are going well. And then the life of one of his daughters takes a dark turn. Her name was Dinah. She's on this girl's trip. She's out seeing some girlfriends, having a great time. The story says that a local prince spots her. In the Bible's kind of cryptic way, we don't have all the details, but he gets her alone and he rapes her. When word gets back to Jacob that his daughter has been raped, I mean, one can only imagine the thoughts that are going through his mind. I don't know about you. I don't have daughters, but if, if I did, I can only tell you right now, I would be bent on making that kid pay. But it's interesting All of his sons are out in the field working, and it says that Jacob just went quiet, didn't say anything. It says he was waiting for his sons to come home. When his sons found out, and he had a big mitt full of sons, they were livid, understandably. In fact, two of them, two guys, Simeon and Levi, they are so angry, they start planning something. It's pretty crazy, but they grab swords and they walk into the village where this rapist lived. They were part of another people group called the Hivites. Simeon and Levi, catching them in an unguarded moment, walked through that village, through every household, and literally kill every male in the entire town. Slaughter them. They come home and the other brothers find out that they did that. They go running to that Hivite village and they begin pillaging. The Bible says that they literally took everything they could get their hands on, everything of value, their their flocks, their herds. They, they They raised that town, pulled it all out. They took even the women and the young children as captives decimating the entire people group. Now, obviously, Jacob had no idea what was going on. Because when he hears what they have done, he freaks. He's looking at his sons. He's going, oh my God, 
what have you done? He says, you have ruined me. You have made me stink among all the people of this land. We are so few that they are going, people, this word is going to get out. They are coming for us. They will join forces and they will crush us. Not only will I be ruined, all of you are gone. You think you, you think Dinah had a bad? Wait. In a very exaggerated and barbaric way, this story perfectly illuminates the insidious nature of revenge. It's rarely an eye for an eye. It's never truly just getting even. Revenge has this way of saying, how about my eye for your life? And then when it comes back around, it says, okay, how about your life for 20, my life for 20 of your family's lives? You just see the escalating nature of revenge. What starts off as a little family squabble around the dinner table turns into weeks of silence on the phones, which then leads to the grandkids never coming over to see their grandparents in a family divided. Oh, you want to play that way? I can play that way too. Oh, you want to be that way? Fine, you're dead to me. A little offhanded comment leads to weeks of text silence. And all of a sudden, the lonely holiday celebrations come and go. It starts off as an insensitive action by a friend, becomes a rallying cry for a division of a whole friend group. Revenge screams in our ears, don't let that guy get away with that. Make him pay. Give him the cold shoulder. And then the vicious cycle starts. And that person says, okay, fine. Two can play this game. Tell everyone what that guy did. And bring up this thing too that no one knows about. You know, we may think that revenge and retaliation is the answer. And in the moment, it just feels so natural and so right. I can't let you just get away with that. But age-old wisdom would say that if you choose revenge, it will come back. And chances are when it does, it will be way worse for you. Not only that, but innocent people are going to get caught in the crossfire. This thing is going to take out many in the process. So we suppress and we retaliate two very poor choices in dealing with these hurts that start stockpiling. What is the option? What is the healthy alternative? What resolves the hurt? What, what pulls that stuff out of that pack? 
you know, after reconnecting with my, my friend at that funeral, and then we got together. We all spent that night together. Kathy and I and him and his wife. We, just talking aside from our spouses, we said, let's, let's get together more. So we did. It's probably about four months later we got together. And it was, it was a strange thing, but this guy, like, he, he came... He came to that lunch meeting that we had at the pack. We sat down, we started talking, and it was like, without him even realizing it, he, he was just talking about everything that was in his pack. Those moments. And it was weird. I, I didn't really know what to say or do. I, it felt, I felt sick for him. I could tell he hadn't had an opportunity to talk to anyone about these things. But as he talked, I could tell something was changing in him. As he was saying, and, then, and this person said this about me. I, I heard about it months later. I said, I am so sorry. I had no idea. His eyes would well up with tears and then he would move on to something else and that would come out. It was weird. Over the course of the lunch, all these hurtful memories. I don't think he planned it. But one by one, they just kind of, he brought them out, put them on the table. I just felt like the whole time I just said, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I had no idea. Something about him started changing. It was like he was lighter. All of a sudden, at one part, he just, we just started laughing and telling good stories. He just, he just seemed different. It's about eight months later, we got together again. I don't know. Maybe a year later, I don't know. And this time it was with the four of us again. Something had changed. He just seemed different. He says, hey, I reconnected with so-and-so. I, I called so-and-so after we met last time. I, I, and, and we've connected with them. We got together with them. It was, it was interesting what was happening inside of him. Something happened in the telling of the story for him. Desmond Tutu, he brought this out years ago. He was appointed as the chair of this Truth and Reconciliation Committee for victims who had suffered deeply from apartheid in South Africa. He was appointed to try to help bring support and repair to these people who had been victims the first thing they did was to bring them into a room with a bunch of sympathetic listeners as they told their stories of hurt. He said something undeniably powerful happens when you begin to look inside your life at some of these things that maybe got suppressed, got pushed down, got ignored, still have some kind of weight to them in your life. And you begin just 
acknowledging them. Let me ask you as I'm talking this morning, is there a hurt that comes up in your mind? Something that you've suffered from someone? As I was writing this message, I've, I was reminded of some stuff, some rocks that got in my bag. Have you ever told anyone about that? About any of them? How much it hurt? What happened? Just, just your side of it. Something to think about. Something happens when you bring this stuff to the surface. There's something part of us that's really scared of what might happen when we bring a wound, an unresolved old wound, something that really shook us at one point when we bring it to the surface. We, we reach down, we begin bringing it out and talking about it. Because sometimes these things have a lot of shame attached to them. Sometimes they have a lot of emotional anger. We're worried about what it might look like. We get telling the story and it's all over the place. Especially when you tell the story for the first time, right? Like, you've never rehearsed it. So sometimes you're like starting at the point and then you're kind of working backward. In the process, you're trying to make sense of it all. You don't realize, but as you're talking, something's happening. There's healing. You know, my buddy, uh, after we met that, I guess it would have been the third or the fourth time we got together. Yeah, it was when we were couples, we were together. And we were sitting off, with just him and I having a conversation, he began telling me a story. One of his rocks. And I said, buddy, you've told that story. We know that story. It's time to let go of that story. And he knew exactly what I was saying. He just nodded. Okay. It's time to move on. Folks, this process of bringing up stuff from the past getting it out, looking at it. Allowing someone to validate what you, what you went through. Some people are so bold to, to face the person that caused the hurt. Some people just need a listening ear to hear it. What it does in bringing healing to this thing is amazing. But after you do that, then you have an opportunity to not put it back. Somehow, some magical thing happens. You get it out and you go, hmm, I don't want to carry that around anymore. I'm tired of that. That's not going back in the bag. Folks, this is a picture of what becoming looks like. This is what spiritual maturity is all about. It's taking the stuff that's happened, the stinky, rotten shit that we've walked through, the bad things that people have done. We don't make them pay. It's not our problem. 
In fact, it's a hard existence if you're bent on revenge. But we just decide we're not going to carry it around anymore. So we bring it up. We find someone to tell the story with. And then we let it go. And man, you do that enough. Maybe you've done this before. You just start reaching into your bag and very strategically pulling out these ugly hurts. And if I could find them, I'd pull them out right. (laughs) Oh, there's one. Okay, good. You just start pulling it out. And you go, you know what? I can't change it. I can't make it not have happened. It happened. Some of those people you'll never see again. Some of them are dead. Some of them will never say the words you wanted to hear. You can't change it. But you can decide whether you're going to carry them around. Maybe today, your decision will be to look at that thing and say, I'm not doing it anymore. I've told the story, I'm done. Maybe you're sitting here looking at me and going, I've never stared into that thing. This is too painful to look at. Maybe you need someone to talk to. Just to reach out, get on the phone with them and say, you know what, I'm wondering if you could do me a favor. This This might sound weird, but I'm just wondering if I could tell you something that happened to me and I don't need you to fix me. I just need you to listen because I want to heal. Some people will hire a therapist to be able to do that. Some people will come and see us as pastors. Some will respond to the best friend and say, hey, could you do me a favor? I don't know what your story is. I don't know how many rocks you might have carrying around in your pack right now. I don't know how heavy your life feels. I don't know how isolated and small your life is getting because of stuff that's gone on. But I'm telling you, if you want to spiritually become the person you were really designed and capable of being, this is a necessary part of the journey. Some of you got a heavy pack and it's time to lighten the load. I hope you'll do that this week. I hope you'll take the first steps. Maybe you'll be the one that gets the phone call. And I hope you will be that listening ear. Yeah. Lighten the load. Life was meant to be able to run and dance and climb. To experience it all. But you won't do it, not with a heavy pack. Let it go. Tell your story and let it go. That's all I got. Have a great week, everyone. Look at, we're in for the final chapter next week of this Becoming series. We hope you've enjoyed it. I know Vince has been cooking it up, just hasn't told me what it's about, so I know it's good. He always does that when it's really good. So you'll want to join us next week. Have a great week. Enjoy the rest of the May long.